Justin Fields will be under a lot of pressure in his first game back from injury. So we need to make sure that we're being reasonable in what we expect from a quarterback who's going to need to knock some rust off against a very good opponent. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button at the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use our promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. On the show today, we look at what's in store for Justin Fields, what the Chicago Bears need him to do as he returns from the thumb injury, not only just for this game against the Detroit Lions, but certainly applies directly to this game, but also more broadly over the final seven games of this 2023 season. We'll look at how Justin can start to pick back up on where he left off before the injury when things were going pretty well heading into that Vikings game where he got hurt. We'll also look at what Justin Fields can pull from Tyson Bajan's performance, both trying to emulate some of the things that Bajan did well, while also learning from and trying to avoid some of the mistakes Bajan made as a young quarterback in there. And then we'll wrap up kind of looking at, okay, we know what the Bears need to do for Fields then. What does what does, what does does Fields need from the Chicago Bears and kind of look at the other way. What can they do to kind of support this quarterback a little bit more in his return from injury? But I think some of the expectations and the optimism for Fields coming back from injury and, you know, thriving is about what he was doing right before the injury. Certainly he wasn't having the best game in the final game that he played against the Minnesota Vikings that he got hurt but he had only attempted 10 passes up to that point. I don't know that we can look at those 10 passes and make a sweeping judgment on what Justin Fields' performance in that game was going to be had he stayed healthy and finished that game. But, you know, the previous two games leading into that Vikings game where he got hurt was the win over the Commanders, where Fields threw for four touchdowns and no picks and 282 yards. And then before that was the game against the Denver Broncos, where he set a new franchise record for consecutive completions starting that game off and having, again, one of the best games of his career. Like in those two games, he threw eight touchdowns and over 600 yards across those two games with just one interception and completing a high rate of his passes, operating the offense effectively, getting certainly a DJ Moore heavily involved in the offense for what felt like kind of the first time, like really prioritizing him as a game-changing number one wide receiver. And even though it wasn't necessarily resulting in in wins all the time, they put up 28 in the loss to the Broncos. That was a good enough offensive performance. And then 40 in the game against the Commanders was obviously enough to win and a very strong offensive performance. So it felt like he was making some progress there, maybe against struggling defenses, but progress nonetheless. And something that we were looking for Justin Fields to then build off of, gain some confidence from, and continue against 
slightly higher quality defenses as the season went on. Then the injury disrupts that. But you'd like to think he can kind of pick back up from there, but it's not as simple as just, all right, like I'm back exactly where I was. But I still think, you know, when you think about some of the things that he was doing well at that time in that in that Denver Broncos game and then to some extent in that Commanders game as well, you know, it felt like we were seeing Fields be a little bit more decisive, you know, after the first few games of the season where he wasn't pulling the trigger on throws that you, it would look like he was looking at and were open, but just wouldn't trust it with it, wouldn't trust his eyes and follow through with his arm. Like he was looking a little bit more decisive. It seemed like in both of those games, they were able to get into, get him into more of a natural rhythm as a quarterback where he could build some confidence and the play would happen on time as designed. And those, those plays would stack up and build into each other and flow into each other. Like he was less trying to do everything himself and more willing to just, okay, I'm going to put this ball in DJ Moore's hands and know that DJ Moore is capable of making a guy miss and taking a 10 yard out route into a 40 yard touchdown. And we saw DJ Moore make a few of those plays, but I think in general, like trusting the playmakers to make plays and not having to do all of the heroics himself and make, you know, the perfect, beautiful dime pass down the field in order to generate offense. Like it doesn't have to be all that. And it seemed like he was getting to more of that prior to the injury. And, you know, even in those games, it wasn't like the pass protection was perfect either. Like, you know, he was still able to find ways to extend plays, but not extend them too long and still get rid of the ball and still find receivers on those plays without it having to be a perfect situation around him, albeit against slightly lesser defenses. Like, And certainly there were still flaws in what Justin Fields was doing at the time, still room for improvement and growth, but it seemed like he was just generally doing more of letting the offense come to him a little bit and taking a little bit more of what the defense was giving him. It was, it was cleaner football from Justin Fields. It was limiting more of the mistakes, not turning the ball over in some of the ways that we had seen earlier this season and other times in his career, not taking as many sacks, although there were still some of that in there and there were still some, you know, questionable decisions here and there and some questionable throws here and there. He still had an interception in that span, but it, you know, if he can, if he can get back to where, what he was doing there and keep building off of that, which is hard to sort of translate with an injury in between, but at least it's, at least to me, it gives you some sort of like, okay, we were just seeing it. It's not like he's, it's not like he was really struggling and then got hurt. And now from here, you got to sort of rebuild some of the confidence and rebuild, like get him back on track. He was on track. And so then it's just a matter of getting him back to where he was instead of having to try and get him back super far beyond where he was. Now, of course, you still want him to get beyond where he was. I don't think that's a reasonable expectation right away. First game back against the first place Detroit Lions. But, you know, having a few games sidelined here to watch someone else run your offense and have varying levels of success, but run your offense in a slightly different way, I think can give Fields a different perspective on how he might operate the offense, even just slightly differently based on what he saw from Tyson Bagent. So we'll kind of look at some of the lessons that Tyson Bagent taught us that Fields can apply to his game, both in the good and the bad from Tyson Bagent for applying that to Justin Fields. Next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and most fun way to do daily fantasy sports because Prize Picks puts you in complete control. It's not about setting a lineup against other people's lineups. It's about picking two to six players and whether they will perform 
better or worse than their prize picks stat projection. So right now the prize picks projection for Justin Fields is 211.5 passing yards. So you say whether he will perform better or worse than that. You pick another player or up to six players and they're a better or worse than their projections. And if you get your picks right, you can get up to 25 times your money. It's fun. Gives you a lot more stakes in this game and you're paying attention to the stats and paying attention to your picks. I've, I've got Aiden Hutchinson for more than 7.5 sacks and I've got uh, the Lions kicker as, un, as, as less than 1.5 field goals in this game. But hey, there's a lot of different ways you can play at Price Picks, and you can get even more fun at PricePicks.com slash LockedOnNFL. And if you use our promo code LockedOnNFL, you're going to get a first deposit match up to $100. It's an extra 100 bucks to play with at PricePicks.com slash LockedOnNFL. Price Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Tyson Bajan certainly had his ups and downs orchestrating the Chicago Bears offense, but he definitely did it in a different style than we had seen from Justin Fields. And of course, each quarterback has to run the offense, you know, in in their style, be the quarterback that they are and, you know, utilize their strengths and their tools to their mo- their biggest advantage and try and minimize their disadvantages. And Tyson Bajan and Justin Fields are not the same style of quarterback. They're not the same kind of guy. They do some different things better than each other. And as much as, you know, people were upset about the way Chris Collinsworth characterized that on Sunday Night Football, there's something to be said about, okay, Fields getting a chance to remove himself from being actually out there and then see his offense with his play calling and him hearing it on the headset and watching the plays and the coverage and his receivers and his backs, right? He's not just watching tape on the Packers in the past running this offense with different players in different situations, but like this is him watching everything that he's coming back to just with someone else out there doing it differently than he might do it. And, and again, to be clear, this is not to say that fields should be doing it every way, exactly the way that Tyson Bajan did, but he should learn from what Tyson Bajan did well, and also learn from what Tyson Bajan did poorly and apply those lessons to himself again, in this same offense with these same receivers and say, oh man, you know, the way Bajant read that play or the way Bajant threw the ball to that receiver on that route, like, oh, that's, that's different or that's interesting. Or, oh, I might not have seen it that way when I, when I envisioned that play, but oh, having seen Tyson do it that way, like, oh, you know, that's another way I can think about another perspective I can take on that play. Another way that play can be run that I might not have otherwise considered or or read in quite the same way. And so like, for example, like Tyson Bajant, we know, and this isn't even all going to be compared directly to Justin Fields. Like if I say something good about Bajant, that doesn't mean Fields does it poorly. But it's just to say like, here are the things that Bajant did well that Fields can try and emulate, whether Fields was already doing them or not. Like Tyson Bajant made quick decisions as a passer, generally quick through the progression, generally quick to pull the trigger and with a quick release on that trigger. Didn't hold on to the ball super long. Not afraid to get through his progression and take the check down if that's if that's where the progression tells him. But he would go left, right, you know, one, two, three, check down. And it's a fairly quick process. He's not holding on to the ball. He's not holding on to a route, wait, waiting for it to break open, waiting for the big play to be there. It's like it's if it, it's either there now or it's not. And I'm on to the next thing and not afraid to, ch- to take the check down there, you know, not needing the home run ball, not feeling like, okay, I got to throw this ball in order to make something happen for my offense. Or I got, I, I, I got to, I got to throw this ball downfield 
to make something happen for his offense. Like, yes, you got to throw the ball. I mean, get it to a uh, get it to an open receiver, but it doesn't have to be the big play. Bajan did a good job of taking what the defense gave him and not trying to do a little bit too much. Throwing with anticipation, leading receivers, getting rid of the ball early, right? Ahead of ahead of schedule so that by the time the receiver gets there, it's on time as opposed to having to wait to see the receiver get open and then decide fully to throw the ball. Bajan was also very good at like using his pocket presence to avoid pressure and, and not let pressure become sacks quickly and also like extend plays and, and hang in the pocket like wisely. You know, there, there's sort of an art to it. And not, not that his pocket presence was perfect by any means, but he did a good job of like, okay, you know, the left tackle is facing speed on the edge and I can just step up and around that to where it's not pressure, right? It's, it may be the left tackle is quote unquote being beat, but by just stepping up, you're not under pressure. You're not panicking. It's just a natural part of your drop back and step up. It's it's your hitch into the throw that allows your left tackle or your right tackle or whatever lineman to recover from that play and and not let, you know, mitigate some of the pressure from his own offensive line. And yet, Bajent still did scramble. We saw him make some very nice runs at a quarter as a quarterback, but like it always felt like with Bajent for the most part, it was only scrambling like when he really needed to on a desperation because nothing else was there, as opposed to it being like his version of the checkdown or his version of like okay, scramble is just like my 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 backup plan at all times. Like to me, it was never like Bajent was like progression and then scramble. It was like he's gonna hang in there and he's only scrambling when he's got to get out of the pocket. And then when he's out of the pocket, he still has nowhere to go. And then it's going to take off past the line of scrimmage. But like he was, he seemed to generally be smart about the pocket presence and when to scramble and, and when to have that be a weapon, but not be, you know, a, a not be a fail safe or not be a, not be like a security blanket or not be a, an old reliable thing that he would just lean on. You know, he, he didn't take a lot of unnecessary sacks. He actually had one of the lowest pressure to sack rates of any quarterback in the NFL. When he was under pressure, he didn't often let them actually finish with him on the ground. But he would get rid of the ball when that pressure had come. And that was that was effective for this offense to limit the kind of damage that opposing pass rushers could do against this Bears offensive line. Now, certainly, Bajit made some mistakes. And that, like those good things were all things that Fields should try and emulate in himself as a quarterback because it was effective for Bajit. Now, Bajit also forced deep shots downfield that aren't open. There were... Seemed like a thrower to in every game where he's just chucking it up deep to somebody in double coverage who was never open and really was never a good idea to fire that ball. But he either decided pre-snap that that's what he was going to do or for some reason thought it was the best throw on that play or was told to throw it deep, whatever whatever the reason was. They were throwing deep balls to double covered receivers occasionally that you just kind of scratch your head as like, why did he throw that? There were also a lot of turnovers, you know, some interceptions where I think he trust his arm a little bit too much in terms of like, thinking a window is open a little bit longer than the velocity on his throws could stand to get there to where maybe in division two, that's a pass he could complete and trust will be still be open by the time the ball gets there. But in the NFL, that window closed too fast and stepped in front of the play and, and he got picked off. And also in the pocket, he had good pocket presence, but when the sack did get there, it was poor ball security. He fumbled three times in like four and a half games. It was not, was not great ball security in the pocket from Tyson Bajan. And like, those are all things that fields should be conscious of not doing, not following what Tyson Bajan did in those moments. And, you know, as much as Bajan took care of the ball, he put it in harm's way a few different times and fumbled it a few different times and took some 
just interesting, perhaps poor decision type throws just a little bit too often. And Fields should see those and say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that, but I am going to do some of the things that Bajent did well in this offense. So, you know, I think there's some real learning points here for Justin Fields, but I, but a lot of this, as has been the story for all of Justin Fields' career, will need to be about the supporting cast too. Like it's a two-way street here. Fields needs to do well. Fields needs to do better. Fields need to learn and grow. But the scheme, the play calling, the coaching staff needs to also help put him in positions to be successful. The offensive line needs to pass protect well. The receivers need to make plays after the catch and get open for their receiver. And the defense needs to keep him in the game and maybe help him out the way they helped out Tyson Bagent a few different times. So we'll look at not what Fields needs to do, but what the Bears need to do for Fields next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. DoorDash is here to help you order all of your favorite foods and even groceries whenever you need them without missing the game, making sure you're ready for game day and game time. Whether it's you know a snack at halftime or a post-game meal, DoorDash has all of your favorites, including a ton of local restaurants in your area. It's a great way to support your locally owned restaurants. I was just looking on there at some Italian beef from Al's Italian Beef in Chicago. They got the regular beef with the jardinera on there. I can never say that right. They got Chicago dogs. They got Italian sausage. They got loaded fries, a hand-cut fries, by the way, that look absolutely delicious. And they can all be delivered right to your home at DoorDash, whether in Chicago or whatever your area is. A ton of great local restaurants on there, and it's a great way to support them. Right now, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter in our promo code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, it's 50% off up to $10 when you spend 15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter in that promo code LOCKED23. So while certainly Justin Fields needs to grow, needs to keep developing, and, and needs to play really well if he wants to sort of save his long-term job and future with the Chicago Bears, they got to help him too. It's a two-way street. I mean, we're seeing right now with, with Josh Allen and Buffalo, like it, it's a two-way street when things don't always go super well around your quarterbacks. Like you need to give him as much support as possible. And he's a guy who can be successful without it, but needs, but is a lot better with it. And it makes his job easier, especially in his first game back when you know, he hasn't been out there for four weeks and, and not that he's got to get back into game shape, but it's just sort of like knocking the rust off and gripping the ball and going through progressions again and being out there and ready to go against a first place NFC North opponent. That means Luke Getze, offensive coordinator, need to move the pocket, roll them out, get a lot of play action going, but but be smart about the rollouts, right? We saw in the first few weeks of the season, they do those rollouts and they leave the end guy unblocked and he'd go straight for, straight for fields and it'd be a sack and sometimes a forced fumble and sometimes a disaster. But you can be smart about based on what front you're in. Sometimes your personnel can determine what front they're going to get. And based on what front they're going to get, then you can kind of get a determination of who might come after the quarterback. You can leave a tight end in to block that player. You can have a receiver come over and chip that player. You can have the running back chip that. I mean, you've got different options to design rollouts that still protect your quarterback. But it's not just purely about rollouts, right? It's about having passes for him to be in rhythm. It's passes that don't need to take super long to develop. Like you can't make Justin Fields a pure three-step drop, quick rhythm passer every single time, right? But if you can give him if you can give him plays with options, like a quick option, a, a short, a medium option, and a longer developing option to, to where if the pressure comes, if the offensive line starts to fall apart, 
if for whatever reason something's open quickly. Like he's got options. It doesn't need to be guys, you know, running 10 yard stems to where no one is breaking on their routes until two and a half seconds into the play. So Fields got nothing to do early in that play, right? You can put him in situations to be more successful. You can run the ball and stick to the running game to get him shorter down and distance situations, second and seven, third and four, instead of second and 10, third and 12, as we saw too often early in his in his season here. And some of that was penalties as well, but being able to run the ball, stick with the run, run plays that are effective for him, that utilize his skill set, allow him to take shots downfield, to give him time to take shots downfield, get plays operating vertically as well that can kind of get him comfortable and get him in the plays to where he can be most successful and not try and make him purely Tyson Bajant. No, not try and make him throw just quick underneath curl routes all the, all the time like it's a Matt Nagy offense. You know, it's it's about putting Fields in a better position there. The offensive line needs to hold up against a Lions pass rush that has been struggling a little bit last couple of weeks, but it's a Bears offensive line that's moving a bunch of different guys around as it stands now. Tevin Jenkins is moving back to left guard. Lucas Patrick will stay at center. And Nate Davis is playing at right guard. And so Cody Whitehair has been benched formally as a part of this process. So it's some moving around of the guards. They got to settle back in quickly and play at a high level and hold up and communicate and not have these penalties, not have miscommunications. Sure, you're going to get beat one-on-one sometimes, but like make that be the way you lose, right? Don't lose by miscommunication, by not picking up a guy and letting him go unblocked. Don't lose by getting penalties all the time. Lose by them beating you one-on-one more often than you can handle. And at least then you can say, all right, like man-on-man, they were better than us, but can't have them beating themselves up front on the offensive line. That includes with the running game as well, right? Getting a push up front, having these backs get better down distance situations and just being able to trust them and rely on them and not need fields to do everything all the time, you know, to to have the back game be effective can then make the quarterback running game that much more effective because on the read option, who are you going to stay with? Is it Foreman who's who's having a good game or Herbert who's having a good game or Fields who can take it to the house on any play? Like if you have an effective rushing threat there and which the Bears have done well so far this season, you know, that can make Justin Fields' job that much easier. And then the defense as well. You can't let this become a, a shootout. You know, if 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 Jared Goff gets a two or three touchdown lead, then that's when you abandon the running game. And that's when Fields feels that pressure and that emphasis, like, I got to do something. We got to throw. We got to score quickly. I got to make a play. And then you start trying too hard. You force it a little bit. You try and do too much. And that's where you see Bears' mistakes there. So you need the defense to not only keep the keep the offense in it, keep the scoreboard close, keep you, you know, keep you right in there so you can operate your regular game plan. But if you can help them out with good field position by forcing Lions punts and playing the field position game well, or certainly generating turnovers, and getting you great field position or even points on some of those turnovers and give field some of that confidence that my defense has my back and my defense is setting me up. And so I don't have to go 80 yards every time I get the ball, but I can go 40 yards for a score. And then it becomes that much easier when the opposing defense is on its heels, right? Like football is a team game and we make it so much about fields and the quarterback position, but like there's something to this to be said about complimentary football. I know Matt, Matt, Matt Eberflus says it a lot, but and I know it sounds like excuses when it's like, oh, the receiver's got to be better and the O-line's got to be better and the running game's got to be better and the coach's got to be better. But it's not like, to, to me, like it, it, it's about reasonable expectations and you can't expect a quarterback to come back off an injury like this and have to do everything by himself or everything on his own while everyone else struggles, but he's got to be the one who's who's great despite all of that. Like, no, there's there's some give and take here where we can evaluate fields individually 
and we can evaluate the context around Fields and say that, hey, you know what? They both got to be good, right? I mean, the receiver's got to get open. The receiver's got to make plays after the catch, but they can only do that if Fields actually gets the ball to them accurately and consistently. Like, it's a two-way street there, and it certainly goes uh, around the whole roster there. So they got to support Fields, but Fields himself has to step up and, and play better as well and continue to grow if he wants to beat the Lions and really save his long-term future either with the Chicago Bears or as a starter somewhere else in the NFL. There are stakes this week and throughout the rest of the season. We talked about some of the players with the most to prove and the most at stake the rest of this year. Earlier this week, we also talked about the Darnell Mooney contract situation, and we did Crossover Thursday as well. A lot of great Bears Lions content for you this week. If you haven't watched or listened to those podcasts, make sure you go back and check them out and hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we really appreciate our everydayers tuning in five days a week to get your daily Bears fix. Whatever happens against the Lions, you can be sure we'll break it all down for you right here on Locked On Bears on Monday. So come on back for that. And, you know, win or lose, you got to come back for your next opportunity to bear down.